success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And yet we have another invincible woman to introduce you to today. Jane Tabachnik is an award-winning digital public relations and content marketing strategist and mentor. She's also the founder of Simply Good Press, a book publishing firm. She brings 15 years of experience working with change makers to help them create greater visibility and buzz, which helps them easily attract and close more of their ideal customers. Named one of the top 100 people online by Fast Company, Jane and her clients have been featured or quoted in clicks, Cranes, ABC, CBS, the New York Enterprise Report, the Star Ledger, Environmental Leader, CNN, Houston Magazine, Spa Magazine, Women's Wear Daily, and many other media outlets. A former fashion designer, Jane is an adjunct professor at the Fashion Institute in New York City, where she teaches sustainable design, entrepreneurship. Oh my gosh. Welcome, Jane. Welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. It is so, so exciting to have you today as our guest. Oh my gosh. New York City, my favorite city in the world. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. And fashion, right? Fashion. It's all, yes. all my favorite things. So it's so great to have you. Oh my gosh. Let's do this. Let's jump in. We're going to jump right in. I don't want to waste a minute. Yeah, so many things to talk about today. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Thank you. So it is rather a circuitous journey that brought me here, probably like many people. You would think it would be a straight line to connect the dots, but it doesn't end up being that way the longer you spend on the planet. So I was born in the Bronx, speaking of New York, lived in New York City, and now I'm across the river. I like to joke it's the left bank of New York City, but it's northern New Jersey. So I started out as a fashion designer. I had a career in fashion that was a lot of fun. It was crazy and wonderful. And at a certain point, I decided that I was ready to be doing something different. I felt I had burned out and kind of done what I could do. And so I took stock of what I had done, what I had been successful at, and that was the PR and marketing that I'd done for my own collections. 
And so I started out at a small advertising agency where I discovered the internet. Now, this sounds really crazy to say this today. It sounds really corny, but this was brand new technology, nothing like we'd seen before. And I thought, oh my God, this is going to be really big. This is a great vehicle for communication and getting more visibility. And it hasn't disappointed. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. So funny. Yeah. We remember the days, right? There was, there was yes. no cell phones. There was no FaceTime, like none of the things. Yes. Back in the wow. days of the cave people, right? Yes. Yes. And now, uh, so you move from fashion. So tell us that story. How did yeah. you get from fashion to book publishing? Yeah. So I had moved from the fashion industry to the small advertising agency, discovered the internet. And the person that I was working for, the agency owner was not interested, even though I tried to sell him on the concept. I think we can do this. And he just wasn't ready for it. So I moved on to an interactive agency, one of the first uh, web development interactive agencies. And I just sat with the developers and asked them a million questions. I was a pain. I know it, <laughs> but I wanted to learn. I figured if I could sort of peek under the hood, if you will, and understand it, I could learn really how to use it and exploit it in a good way. And it wasn't a good fit for me job-wise. So I left and started my first digital agency. And we were really focused on building websites, getting people set up on email and the common thread that I realized that was missing was visibility. You build a website, but if no one goes to it, if it's not visible, it's like it doesn't exist. You know, the adage, if a tree falls in the forest. So people needed the visibility. So fast forward a number of years, I opened the company that I have now, Jane Tabachnik and Company. And a uh, few years into running this agency and getting people visibility, press, content strategy. I was at a conference and the person sitting next to me and I started chatting and she said, do you offer books? And I said, no, she said, that would be such a great compliment to what you're doing. And I said, gee, I hadn't thought about that. I had already published my own book, but I never thought about offering it as a service to my clients. So went home, she and I tried to start a little book publishing company together, we realized it wasn't a fit. And that's how I ended up adding books onto what I do. And it's been a great addition because as most of you listening probably know, having a book is the ultimate authority building tool. And uh, it's also something on so many people's lists, but not everyone takes a step and writes that book and gets it published. So it's really a big accomplishment to write a book. And it's such a great way to share your message with people that you're trying to reach. So it's been a really good addition and it's a really satisfying feeling to help my clients become published authors, best-selling authors, and to achieve some of their goals and make a bigger impact. I love it. And impact is what we're all about here on the She's Invincible podcast. So yes. I love that. And uh, we actually have someone next week uh, on an episode, the second only <laughs> uh, man uh, that's ever been on, right? So only two so far. And he is also from New York City. You guys have so much in common. And he's launching his book on Monday and it's a memoir for his wife that passed away and it's the most oh, beautiful story. Lovely. Yeah, so make sure next week you yes. listen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we are talking about building authority and I love how you already started that conversation. I wanna just keep it going. We can go deeper. 
how do you use publicity to get more visibility, authority, and high-paying clients? So let's start there. Yeah, so the thing about publicity, building authority, getting high-paying pay, clients, what they all have in common is that people want third-party credibility. So the basis of that is no one cares what you say about you. You can say anything. You see these claims from marketers or even from advertisements about a product, about a service, an individual, and you look at it and you kind of glaze over. It doesn't mean anything. It's not credible. But when someone has, someone is featured in the media, which is like a third party, uh, it's like a testimonial. It's not, in fact, it's not an endorsement, but it is perceived that way. Because if you think about it, if someone is featured in the media, the media selected them and not their competition. There are probably 50, 100, 1,000 people they could have used as their expert source to write about, but they chose this one person. So that makes them special. And the media vets you, which makes you credible. And it gives you that third-party credibility. And, you know, it's the same as when you're looking to go out to a restaurant, whether you're on vacation or even in your local area, You'll ask friends for recommendations or you'll go online and look for reviews and you'll do that before you go and try something out because you want to know what people's experience are of it. You want that input and the credibility like you wouldn't walk into an empty restaurant. It just I love that you're saying this because I just came back from Aruba and that's exactly what we do. Like we're in the Facebook group saying, hey, I'm going to be there this week. Where should I go? What is a, you know, not to miss yes. place? who's got the best food, what's your favorite restaurant? And, you know, you can go through and see like the pattern, right? Of how, yes. how many people say the same place. And then, you know, like that's credibility. When 10 people yes. say you have to eat at exactly. this place, you're like, no yes. doubt about it, right? There's nothing to yes. think about. Oh, I love yes. this. It's also referred to as social proof. So you're, you're gathering social proof that something is credible and the top and the best. So those are things indicators that tell us something is good and credible. And it's what's called a buying or trust trigger. So that's what makes helps people make a decision to work with you, to buy from you, to hire you, to go to your restaurant. So those are really important factors to have in your business and to showcase them on your website and in your marketing. That's a mistake that some people make. They'll get great press, but then they don't share it. They don't showcase it. And when you think about all the messages we're bombarded with on a daily basis, whether you're online, you're reading a newspaper, even sometimes at the checkout line at the supermarket, they've got these monitors, they're blasting ads at you or they're coming over the loudspeaker. So, you know, it's hard to escape them. So to rise above those messages and stand out and also to be seen, if your message just comes by in a stream really quickly or, or the press you got, People may not see it, which in effect is like it never happened. And you don't want that to be the case. If you get press, you want to make sure, not in a braggy way, but you share it and share it more than once, not just the day it happens or the day after, but that's news that you can share in six weeks or two months later, you know, put it into a social media scheduler or add it to your email subject line, because that's a really great accomplishment, just like publishing a book. It's an accomplishment and it gives that third-party credibility and it's something that's worth sharing. 
I love it. And you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about like when you go into a restaurant and they have a plaque on the wall and it says like they were voted the best restaurant of 2019, I'm going to say, because nobody got best restaurant in 2020. Right. But you know, but you never see that out in their advertisements. Right. But you have to actually go to the restaurant to see it. And by then, like, you know, people aren't coming because they didn't hear that message. So that's so cool. It's almost like old news. Like, oh, by the way, we were the best. Right. Yes. yes. Thanks for coming in exactly. today. But what that does when you see it as a diner, you would sit and think, oh, I made a good decision. Yes. Yes. It does and, do and, that. and, you know, as human beings, we like that kind of confirmation that we made a good purchase or a good decision because you've heard of buyer's remorse. So this helps keep you engaged. And yes, I made a good decision. I want to continue with this. So that's yeah, like, really I can't wait thing. to eat here. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's so great. Oh my gosh. So, you know, a lot of our listeners could maybe just be starting out. Maybe they don't have a lot of resources. So can we talk a little bit about ways to get free publicity? Absolutely. So there are a number of great ways to get free publicity. The first one that I love is to use what I like to call a PR matchmaking service. It's basically a listserv, if you will. There's a popular one called Harrow or Help a Reporter Out. And what I love about this is all you need to go do is sign up and they email you queries, which are stories that a journalist is working on that they need an expert to either give a quote, a statistic, a case study, or something like that. So you don't need to know much about PR. You don't need to come up with story ideas. All you need to do is answer their questions. And if they accept your response or they use it, you'll get pressed pretty quickly because the story has usually already been approved by whatever outlet it's going to be in. So it'll be running pretty quickly. So that's one of the best ways to get free PR. And there are a couple of other services like that. One of them is called Source Bottle. And then the next one is to use your network. So what people often don't really think about or don't realize is that they have media contacts in their network. So perhaps someone who sits next to you on the PTA or at your church or synagogue is a journalist. You definitely know a blogger. I'm sure you know a podcaster. Uh, Maybe you know someone who works in TV or radio. So if you think about it, you already know someone. And then we have great social media platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter where you can follow and connect with the media, not to pitch them right away. The best way to use those connections is follow, comment on their content, like it, share it, and just start to build that relationship that way, which you may be scratching your head thinking, I can't build the relationship that way. Some of my clients do this, and just on Twitter, they have created great relationships, gotten invited onto top podcasts without ever pitching the podcast host just by authentically sharing, liking, and commenting the host's comments and content. They've started a dialogue and it's developed into something really wonderful. So it's amazing how that can work for you. And it also feels really good. You know, anyone who's listening, who puts out any kind of content, whether it's a social media post or a newsletter or even an ad campaign, if you don't get any comments, you start to really doubt yourself. And if you're like me, you can go down a rabbit hole of doubt and all sorts of dark thoughts that are not fun. So all it takes is one person to comment and say, wow, that was a great post or thank you for sharing that. You just really made my day better 
or I learned something. That just means the world to them, just to acknowledge them, to uh, thank them, and to sort of validate them. And it also helps with the algorithms. So that's another great reason to do it. You know, and people are often reluctant, just like the empty restaurant, to be the first one to comment on a post. But when there are a bunch of comments, it's like social proof again, then they're more comfortable commenting on. So, you know, if you help someone else with that, you'll see great things happen as a result and you'll feel good because you'll start to see it happening with your content as well. And isn't it true that every time you comment, like everyone is seeing your name again, yes, so you're increasing your own visibility. Yes, thank you. Just play, yes. just showing up to the party, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. That is brilliant. It's such an organic way without being in someone's face, right? Yeah, I love that. And I have met, uh, like, just recently on LinkedIn, someone who you know really approached me in that way and wasn't pitching me, but just sharing a story and some good news and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, and it just, it was a beautiful thing and just created this great friendship. So, so yes. such a blessing. So we're going to move on to this book. I know you've talked a little bit about your book and the story about how that came to be. Um, what is this about writing a business building book? Like who should do it? I, I'm yeah. not going to say everybody, right? <laughs> Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, actually. good. Good. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. thinking like, ah. there are yeah, there are people who would say that. So I think that if you're thinking about writing a book, it's really worth. And this is the first thing that I will ask people when they come to me who want to write a book. What are your goals for the book? Because when someone says to me, I want to sell a million copies, I want to make money. I tell them they will do better doing something else. Because the truth is that most authors don't make money from the retail sale of their books. I'm gonna say that again, because this is really important. Most authors, even traditionally published authors, do not make money from the retail sales of their book. Where authors, and I only work with nonfiction authors, so coaches, consultants, healers, people who are in business, make money from the opportunities that arise as a result of being a published author. So they may be invited to speak. They may be invited to, you know, consult with a company. They may get hired that, you know, all sorts to be a podcast guest. So all sorts of great opportunities come as a result of them being an author. And it gives them incredible credibility because if you think about it, when you publish a book on a topic, say I published an accounting book, no one would question whether I was an accountant or not. They would assume I was an accounting expert. Now, maybe after they read the book, they'd realize I'm not good with accounting. I never write an accounting book. That's why I hire good accountants. But the point I'm making is that a book has such an incredible instant expert positioning that no one ever People just assume you're a top expert when you've written a book on a topic. No one ever questions that. So that's really great. And it gives you that incredible third-party credibility and recognition. And it gives you the opportunity to reach a lot more people. So who should write a book? Anyone who um, is willing to put in what it will take to get the book written. And then it's not just writing the book. A lot of people don't realize it's promoting the book that requires as much work. And again, not necessarily to sell copies of the book, but just like with your PR, if you publish a book and don't tell anyone about it, it may get seen by a few people of Amazon's algorithm is picking it up, but otherwise 
You've got to let people know the book exists and you created something wonderful and magical. Use it as an asset to share with people and also as a great networking tool. Instead of a business card, if you go to in-person networking events, yes, that we can start doing again. If you bring a few copies of your book, imagine the impact that would make if you gave someone a copy or better yet, if you sign the copy to them, then and there, you will be so memorable. They will never forget you and they will never throw your book away. Now, the funny thing is they may never read the book, but they will, you have left an incredible impression of them, of yourself with them. And like a business card, anyone would throw away. You get them, you throw them in a pile or you throw them away when you leave the event. You know, it's, you have to have one, but they're just, you know, a dime a dozen, but a book is really special. So be prepared if you're going to write it. And it doesn't have to be a long book. That's the incredible thing. You can write a short book, better to write a really great short book with just the exact content that it needs to have than to put in fluff to try and make it a longer book that, you know, just is padded. People will realize that it's been padded. It's not to the point and just exactly what it needs to be. So that's who should write a book if you're prepared to do it and to spend some money because you will need to spend some money to get it done professionally, to hire an editor or a cover designer, all that kind of good expert team that you'd want to have. Yes, I love that. So let's talk real quick about uh, what is the difference? Uh, how many pages is a short book? Because everyone has their yeah. own theory. Everyone okay. talk to people and they yep. say different things. So tell me what's that? What does that look like? Yeah, so I don't have a magic number. So you can publish a 10-page book on Amazon. I'm not talking about that because then it's really a brochure if you think about it. But you can publish any size book. So just to give you an example Um, I guess if I had to pick a number, I would say 80 pages or above would be probably considered a a good professional book. So there's a book called Who Moved My Cheese? You may have heard of it. This book has been a New York Times USA bestseller for years. I don't know if it's on their list this week, but it has been, it has sold millions and millions and millions of copies. And I believe the print version is about 90 pages. So you don't need 200 pages or some other magic number for your book to be considered, you know, um, a phenomenal book and to really change lives and make a difference and get that visibility. Love it. Oh, well, this has been such a fun conversation. And, you know, I want to bring up one other point that you said. I lost it for a minute and got it back again. When you were talking about, you know, people uh, not writing a book to make a lot of money, right? For, for an income purpose and, you know, but also the publicity of it all. And so what I was thinking, and I, I found myself thinking this, having a conversation with a friend the other day was when people say that, like, I'm not looking to make, you know, millions of dollars on my book, but if you're writing it, you're either writing, you're writing it for impact, right? So if you don't put it out there and get it into the hands of the people any way you can, you're not making an impact. So then at that point, why are you even spending the the time or the money to write the book and put it out there? Right? So yes, people aren't going to find it on their own. And so I think that's such a big thing is that, you know, 
some, I mean, you, you're not going to get rich writing a book for the most part, but if you want to make a huge impact and you want to get that information out there, you have to do the marketing, right? And, yes. you know, some people can write a book, but maybe they're not great marketers. And I think like, that's where you guys come in, right? Is that correct? Yes. Like you write everything or put it on paper or dump it to us and then we'll get it out there. We'll market it. We'll and do all the work so that it gets to the right people. And, and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes. But what I want to say, not to intimidate anyone, to try and make sure no one feels intimidated, just like with PR, with book marketing, if you just do one simple thing each day towards marketing it, and it can take 10 minutes, then you're continually putting it out there and supporting yourself and the effort you took to write the book and helping to share your message. So it's not like you need a whole team. Maybe you do right when the book launches, if that's the route you go, but you can do simple things each day for just a few minutes a day to get it out there in different places in different ways. So, you know, it can be small, it can be simple, you can be busy, but you can still be doing that. And that's what I think separates the people who really get their message out there and benefit from it, from writing the book or anything else that they're doing is that they consistently are taking action for an ongoing basis. So um, I have a, a theory about it. So a lot of people, um, it's, I call it the helicopter versus the airplane. So there are people who publish a book and they promote it for perhaps a month before and a month after, and that's it. That's the helicopter approach. And those are the people who have less success or results with their books. Whereas if you think of an airplane, first you've got the runway. So the successful authors start building their book platform or launch or building buzz months before the book is actually published, whether it's a pre-order campaign or whatever it is that they do. Then once the book is published, they're cruising at 30,000 feet, they're busy promoting, doing interviews, et cetera. And then they're still on the way down from the 30,000 feet, they're still promoting. There's still a lot of um, the journey that they're taking, the flight that they're still on while promoting the book before it even hits the runway again on the ground. So if you think of the difference, instead of being a quick kind of once and done or twice and done, you've got, you know, a marathon instead of a sprint. And that's where the success really comes in. Oh, that is such valuable information. Thank yeah. you so much for going that next yeah, step. Sure. That's, that's amazing. Okay. So let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So the best way is to go to simplygoodpress.com and you can read some of my blog posts, which I'm told are pretty good and check out uh, any of my social links are there. And I've got a free visibility assessment. So if you want to see how you're doing with your visibility and just get a kind of do a litmus test and find out what other opportunities there are for you to get more visibility, share your message more widely, you can find that there as well. And now a word from our sponsor, Christine Trumbull, founder of Coaching the Climb, understands the challenges of building a successful business. She's faced many of those challenges herself and helped hundreds of clients build successful businesses. With the launch of her new podcast, The Climb with Christine, you will hear the same advice she gives her clients, as well as conversations with experts in a variety of topics, including business, health, relaxation, mindset, kids, 
and fashion. Check it out on iTunes, The Climb with Christine, and be sure to subscribe, download, and give her a rating and review. That's awesome. Well, Jane, this has been so much fun. I love learning from you. Thank you so much for sharing. And so now, you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs and a few great men, I have to say now. Um, But we're going to share their expert zone of genius, which you just did so beautifully. And I know this is going to help so many people that are listening that have always wanted to write a book, but just never did. I think this is the the juice here to get them to actually take the step. But we also promise them that we're going to let them in behind the scenes. You see, women are constantly comparing themselves. They're looking at successful women like you and they're thinking, I can't be like her right? They yes. do what they think. They're always coming up short. But what they don't understand is that the Jane who started this journey is not the Jane who's here today. It was through all the journey and the obstacles and the great, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly that created the Jane that you are today. And so we want to pull back the curtain and share a few stories with them so they can see some of what you had to go through. See, everyone wants the success, but not everyone is willing to pay the price, right? And you cannot have great success without overcoming enormous obstacles. So let's start with the good. Could you share a story with us about the good part of your journey? Yeah. So the best part of my journey, I would say, is the fact that I get to help my clients share their message more widely and make a bigger impact. And uh, a quick story about the good is uh, I have a client who just published her book, which is very exciting. It was a two and a half year journey. And two and a half years ago, our very first strategy session about her book, I do a um, kind of a visioning session. And I said, Picture yourself on stage. You're giving a talk about your book. Who's sitting in the front row? Who is the industry expert you'd want to have in the front row at your book reading and picture them sitting there smiling and just taking in all the expert goodness of your book. And she gave me the name of this person. It was someone who I recognized and uh, top, really top industry expert internationally known. And two weeks ago, right as the book was going to be published, she said to me, you know, I just got an endorsement from insert expert industry name who was sitting in her front row. And she had to remind me of this visioning expert. He was always in my mind, one of the top people to endorse her book, but I'd forgotten that she had named him as part of that exercise. And she said, I remember going through that exercise and it's just amazing. I just got their endorsement and, you know, I'm so pleased and it just really made it very special. But I, you know, I get to help my, all my clients have that visibility and impact with their book. And that just really means a lot to me. I really feel that it, it's very satisfying. And I feel like I get to help contribute to their contribution to the world. I love too, that you help them create that vision of greatness, right? Like you have to have that expectation and put that out there and believe that. And it's amazing what can happen from that. 
Oh, that's, that's amazing. I know you probably, once, once she, you know, filled you in, I know you were thinking like, wow, right. This is amazing. It really works. You know, it works, but it's so great to see it in action. So that's, that's amazing. So let's, and great advice too, for anybody out there writing a book, right. Is to have that expectation and really make that list that your front row, right. That's your front row. Love it. Okay. So now we have to talk about the bad. The bad, the bad, not the ugly. We'll we'll save that for last, but yeah, let's ease into this a little, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, there's no great success without overcoming great obstacles. So share with us a little bit about the bad part of your journey. Yeah. So the bad. So when I was a fashion designer, I had my own collection and I had got my collection into one of the top stores in New York. It was Henry Bendel. Unfortunately, they're no longer around, but I was just so thrilled to be in their store. And my first collection had sold out. They had reordered. So it was really pretty incredible for me, a small designer. I mean, I was self-financed. I was wearing all the hats in the business. I wasn't doing the sewing. I had a team of sewers to create the designs, but um, so I was wearing all the hats and, and had this incredible season with them. And they said, okay, we'd like to see your designs for next season. So I made my sketches. I made the patterns and I said, I'm going to up my game. It's time to scale up. I'm going to hire a contractor because before it had been more cottage industry. I had a few home sewers who made the collection at home. So I found this contractor. It's hard to remember how or when, but maybe it was an ad in a newspaper because this is free internet back in the old days. And so I hired this contractor. I gave him my cut samples. So I had bought fabric. I had cut out the designs into piece goods for him to sew and give me back my finished samples and paid him, gave him the cut goods and he disappeared into the ether never to be found again. So that was the end of the entire season. Not only had I lost the samples, but I didn't have time or money to buy new fabric, redo everything and get back up and running. So that was pretty devastating. So I licked my wounds and I saved up some money, took some odd jobs. And I just, I got back on the horse, you know, I, not the same collection, but, you know, I had to tweak because it was a new season, but I then made some new designs and I got back into Henry Bendel's, which was really wonderful and some other stores. And I, you know, I was back in business, but it took, it took probably at least six months, you know, at the time I'm saying it like it was a short story and just a little hiccup. It was pretty devastating. And, you know, it could have easily stopped me from going back into business. You know, it was just that catastrophic and it was small scale. It wasn't like I lost millions, but at the time that was a scale I was working at and it was really, really crushing. And, you know, I had a vision. I wasn't done. I wasn't ready to give up my dream as a fashion designer. So I made it happen again. And that's what makes you invincible, Jane. Yes. Right there. You got back yep. up. He tried to knock you down, but you got back up. Yeah, for sure. And look, and look, look what you're doing today. It's just amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Well, we're, we're going there now. Yes. <laughs> we have to talk about the ugly. Yes, we're ever going to yes. help these people, right? Yes. They have to know, they need to know the truth. And so yeah. let's share with them a story about the ugly part of your journey. 
Yeah. So uh, as an entrepreneur, something that I've experienced and, and maybe some of the folks listening have as well, sometimes people don't take the fact that you run a business seriously. They think you just, I don't know, you said how many bonbons. They think they can call you to chat anytime during the day, or they can just call you to run an errand for them. Like, oh, can you just go pick, you know, family members at this point I'm referring to. And so um, I have a lovely family and I live near my parents, which has been, was great for me when I was uh, younger. When my daughter was younger, my parents moved close by to help me because I was a single parent, which I really appreciated. But now my parents had gotten older. This is a couple of years ago now. And my dad was in a nursing home. My mom had fallen and was in the hospital. And I was running between the two of them trying to run my business. And my brother was being as helpful as he could, but I was pretty stressed out about it. And, you know, the first thing that I do, and I'm sure some other people can relate to this, when I get busy and I get stressed is think, oh, I don't have time to do my yoga. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to sit down and eat a meal. Let me just grab something or just, you know, grab a donut and go. So all that good self-care goes out the window at the time when you need it the most. So I was stressed. I knew that I was struggling. I was a little worried my business was going to suffer, which meant financially I might miss a bill or two, which, you know, added to the stress, but I couldn't say no to my parents. I, or if I did, they didn't take no for an answer. So it was a very difficult time. So I thought I was kind of coping and here it is Saturday night going out to dinner for a friend's birthday and very happy to be off the, you know, helper clock and not thinking about business. And right as we were about to leave to go out to dinner, I was at my friend's house and they had already walked down the stairs and I put a foot forward. I can't explain how it happened because all of a sudden I was sideways on the landing and it makes no sense how I even fell. I just landed on my shoulder. And as soon as I hit, I've never broken a big bone, but I knew I was in trouble. I was seeing stars. And so unfortunately I ruined my friend's birthday. They were good enough to take me to the hospital. My shoulder was broken. And uh, I had time to sit at home and to recover. I needed to, but also to think about how this had happened. I mean, I, I really believe the universe was telling me you need to slow down. You need to take care of yourself because there is no logic to how I fell. I mean, I didn't trip. I wasn't drunk. I hadn't drunk or smoked anything. Not yet, right? You know, not yet. <laughs> not and, yet. You know, and the ironic thing was it took a while. My dad, I remember my dad calling me, asking me to drive somewhere and do something for my mom. And I'm like, dad, I'm taking like codeine or whatever. You know, I can't drive, first of all, because I have one arm and I'm taking drugs. So no, I can't do that, Aaron. But I can call Amazon. I can order on Amazon. <laughs> So it was it was a big lesson and it was a painful one. And I, yes, I recovered, you know, and it was also a wake up call for me that being superwoman was a really dumb idea. You know, all these years being a single parent, being a business owner, I thought I had to put out this facade that I'm superwoman. I can handle anything. I'm tough. And the truth of the matter is. Yes. Could I muck through anything like anybody could, but was that a good idea? Absolutely not. Was it easy to let someone know how I was struggling or hurting? No, it still is something that I'm working on. And is it easy to ask for help? No, but is it a good thing to do? 
Absolutely. So there were many, many lessons from that that I got. And um, hopefully, if I was ever in a situation like that again, I would do better and not need to injure myself physically to get that message and slow down. Yeah. Isn't life crazy like that? Like it will slow you down if you won't do it on your own. It'll be like, okay, now you're going to be sick for a little while, or now we're going to break you. Yes. So yeah. Do not, do not. Yes. Do not do that. Well, this has been so great. What a joy to have you today and to have this great conversation. So rich about life and business and and what's real, right? The real stuff that we we're just not talking about enough. Well, before we go, I want to ask you this one question, and this is about books since you are a publisher, right? So tell our listeners, what is the, if you could only pick one, so we're going to pick the one book that's had the most impact on you. You know, one of my absolute favorite books is The Go-Giver. I don't know if you've read it, Bob Berg. You know, it's such a simple concept, but it just really makes the world a better place. I know that sounds corny um, listening to myself, but I just love the idea. I think it was Zig Ziegler who said, if you help enough people get what they want, you can get what they want. And I just think that that goes so far. You know, uh, you can do the same activity, but if you can also help someone else along the way, that really doesn't take much more effort. It just makes such a difference. So it's a book that I cherish and reread every so often, even though I think the concepts have have pretty well sunk in. It just, you know, gives me a good feeling and it's worked well for me. And, and when I share that with my clients, as I explained before, I actually call it hug an influencer. When you reach out to and comment on someone else's content and help share it. So you're helping them get what they want. And as a result, and not in this, the instance I mentioned with my clients getting onto a top podcast, they weren't asking for anything. They really didn't have an agenda. This actually happened with two of them. But in the end, they ended up not just building a great relationship and helping the podcast host, but getting invited on this top podcast and getting more visibility. So it's a nice way to go. It's awesome. And it's the law of reciprocity, right? So the more you give, the more you receive and it just flows naturally. You don't have to chase it. I love that. Yes, exactly. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to say to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You can do it. Tell them, Jane. Yep. Lick your wounds, get up and go do it. I love it. Lick your wounds. <laughs> That's a fit. My favorite thing you said today. <laughs> get back up, girl. Lick your wounds and get back up. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.